This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, 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 everybody, and welcome one more time to Unformidable, episode number 14, where we take a look at some of the less heralded or more obscure myths in our beloved franchise's quirky history, as every player who dons the orange and blue is in their own way unformidable to us Met fans. So this week saw the end of a brutal seven-game losing streak. I mean, any seven-game losing streak is painful, but this one was Metzian in how incredibly torturous it was with blown leads, uh, blown saves in the ninth inning, just torturous. Uh, so the Mets got a desperately needed victory with the sole bright spots of Pete Alonso and Jeff McNeil, the, the all-stars shining the way and getting the Mets off the schneid, probably too little too late <clears throat> to make any difference for this season, but at least not going into the Subway Series on an eight-game losing streak, uh, although the narratives for the Subway Series should be delightful for Mets fans to read, and I won't rehash my feelings on the Subway Series, just go listen to the Dave Malicki pod if you'd like. It's uh, round two this week. Uh, perhaps the Mets can get a tired, jet-lagged team in Queens and get a couple of quick wins, but I wouldn't put any money on that if I were you. But we we took the occasion of the Subway Series in the Bronx to look back at Dave Malicki's shutout in the very first ever regular season Subway Series game in 1997. So today we thought we would take the opportunity to look back at one of the more memorable Met home games, one of the more memorable Shea Stadium memories that we have in the Subway Series, and we're going to take a look at a very short-lived Met pitcher with a very memorable at-bat, and that would be Mr. Daesung Koo. Mr. Koo, as he affectionately said he should be known to his teammates, uh, afraid that his name would not be easily pronounceable, was born August 2nd, 1969. So a nice year for a future Met to be born, coming off the 69 celebration that we just had. And now that I think about it, I, too bad the Subway Series wasn't a month from now. We could have had a 
50th birthday, Mr. Koo, Unformidable Podcast. So, <clears throat> little in advance, happy birthday, Daesung Koo. Happy 50th. Uh, he was born in Daejeon, South Korea, which is South Korea's fifth largest city. And an interesting fact I learned in preparing for this pod, I don't remember this when the Mets signed him, uh, he was actually born right-handed. Uh, Koo is very quintessential loogie in his short time with the Mets, but he had to learn to become right ha- left-handed because he broke his right arm as a young child, I think at red age five. He broke it so badly that he had to learn to use his left hand primarily, and apparently he learned to use it quite well, at least in baseball terms. Uh, he grew up, uh, he, he played in university, he played college ball in Korea, where he was a teammate of Chan Ho Park, who would be the first Korean to play in the majors and a bit of an idol. And interesting note, he uh, the designated hitter rule was in effect in college, in his time in the KBO, Korean Baseball Organization, and he even spent time in Japan's Pacific League, which also employs the DH. So Mr. Koo did not swing a bat in a real baseball game until joining the Mets. And as I've already spoiled before, and as I'm sure you, most of you listening well know, it is swinging a bat that this lefty reliever is most known for in his time in a Met uniform. Koo was, I believe, 35 or so uh, when he signed with the Mets, so I'll have to double-check that. But <clears throat> he had a long career in the Korean League. He... Spent the bulk of his career with the Bing Ray Eagles from 1993 to 2000. His stats with that team, he was 61 and 57, 150 saves, 2.79 ERA, 915 innings, 1,020 strikeouts. He peaked in 1996, uh, leading the Korean baseball organization with 18 wins, and he was 18 and 3 with 24 saves. And he was named the league's MVP that year. He also had a career highlight in the 2000 Sydney Summer Olympics. He pitched a complete game, 3-1 victory over Japan, which is, uh, you know, I think, a very traditional rivalry game, uh, as you might imagine, uh, to win Korea, South Korea the bronze medal, and which he outdueled future big leaguer Daisuke Matsuzaka, and also future unformidable podcast candidate. Dice game at Tuzaka. Koo would go on to spend the next four seasons in the Japanese Pacific League before receiving the contract offer from the Mets. Uh, they had offered him a contract five years previously in 2000, apparently, but he didn't feel he was ready to come over. Omar Minaya announced the signing of Koo on January 2005. At uh, the announcement, he did cite uh, the Olympics uh, experience and Koo's clutch ability, and the Mets gave Koo a one-year major league contract with an option for the 2006 season. So in 2005, the lefty would become the 10th South Korean to play in the major leagues, uh, the second to play for the Mets, um, the first being Jay Wong So, who was also on the Mets for parts of 2005, and the team became the first in big league history with two South Korean members and the players became very close and still are to this day. That 2005 season, of course, was the new Mets, quote-unquote, of Carlos Beltran and Pedro Martinez, and notably did have a really, I thought, exciting international flavor. 
between uh, the Latino players that were signed and Coup, and so, you know, much to the chagrin of some people, but, uh, you know, it, it was, 2005 was going to kick off, hopefully, this exciting new era, the Mets signing big free agents and not middle-tier free agents, how novel, and Coup debuted with the Mets on opening day in Cincinnati on April 4th, 2005, and looked really good. Uh, this, this new Met era, Pedro Martinez started, and after giving up a few runs in the first two innings, dazzled, I think he struck out 12 over six innings. I just remember it looked like vintage Pedro, and was so excited, and Koo actually came in in the eighth inning with the Mets leading 6-4, to four. He struck out Ken Griffey Jr. Uh, struck out D'Angelo Jimenez first, according, uh, but more excitingly struck out Ken Griffey Jr. Then retired Sean Casey, so he threw a one-two-three eighth, getting a couple of tough lefties out. And the Mets were about to open this new era in style until Braden Looper came in in the bo- bottom of the ninth and gave up single home run, home run. Stop me if you've heard this before. The Met bullpen blew what looked like it was going to be a big victory for the team. And 2005 didn't quite progress as quite as well as we hoped, although it was, for a non-playoff season, a somewhat entertaining Met season in my memory. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Koo is a moderately effective loogie for the Mets. He he got a strikeout an inning. He he wound up only throwing 23 innings as a New York Met in 33 games. His uh, fatal flaw was, uh, and as you know, his numbers in the Korean League kind of, and his international numbers kind of back that up too. Is he what could be a bit wild? He in his 23 innings of the Met, he struck out 23, but he also walked 13. So that's 0.65 walks per inning. He, uh, he he recorded a 3.91 ERA with the team, but uh, also he did allow 46% of inherited runners to score. You know, not ideal for a loogie who's definitely coming in in important situational spots. So as a prelude to the main part of our story, which uh, will be May 21st, 2005, uh, Mr. Koo... Uh, appeared in a game against the Reds uh, the week before the Subway Series game. It was uh, May 16th. The Mets had a 9-2 lead, so Koo went up to quote-unquote bat since manager Willie Randolph did not see the need to take him out of the game at the time. And bat was a strong term because uh, Koo 
stood and watched four pitches go by, barely in the batting box uh, at the time. Ted Robinson and Fran Healy. Oh, God, Fran Healy. That's painful just remembering that name. Cherish Gary, Keith, and Ron, kids, really. Uh, that they, they basically were mocking his plate appearance, you know, saying, I don't think he's hit since he was eight years old, and kind of noting that he was standing so far at the edge of the batter, batter's box, he probably had no intention of swinging the bat. So uh, in what you, know, you might have thought would be the only plate appearance a lefty loogie would get in the majors, they're rare enough, uh, Coup didn't come close to even offering it a pitch, uh, so apparently he he said he thought to himself, if I ever get the chance to swing again, I'm if I ever get to the plate again, I'm I'm going to take a chance and swing. I'm I'm not going to sit there and watch pitches go by, and so the die was cast, ladies and gentlemen. So Saturday afternoon, May twenty first, game of the week, of course, Mets Yankees, and Chris Benson actually outdueled the mighty Randy Johnson over six innings. The Mets held a slim 2-0 lead heading into the top of the 7th at Shea. Uh, so A-Rod led off the 7th with a single, ending Chris Benson's day. There were a number of lefties coming up, so Willie Randolph went to his lefty, Daesung Koo. On a 1-1 pitch uh, in the dirt, uh, A-Rod tried to advance to second and got caught, got thrown out. And Koo promptly struck out Tino Martinez and Jorge Posada to end the top of the seventh and leave the Mets ahead two to nothing. Then everyone presumably enjoyed the lovely strains of Take Me Out to the Ball Game, the glorious strains of Lazy Mary, and Randy Johnson came out to pitch the bottom of the seventh inning, and wonder of wonders, Willie Randolph sent Daesung Koo back up to the plate for a second major league at bat, perhaps eyeing the top of the eighth when a young star and probable future unformidable podcast subject Robinson Cano was due to lead off, but uh, Koo let off the bottom of the seventh, no no double switch uh, by Willie Randolph, apparently in the future Mickey Calloway school of managing, no uh, pinch hitting and having... Uh, well, that 2005 bullpen was, in my memory, not far removed from the 2019 bullpen, so probably weren't a lot of options there. Uh, certainly weren't, weren't, didn't want Braden Looper pitching, it, getting a six-out save. There was no advantage to that. At any rate, uh, Tim McCarver and the ever-delightful Tim McCarver and Joe Buck were equally shocked, and uh, I believe McCarver made some comment along the lines of it being the biggest give-up at bat in the season thus far, and it'd be hard to, much as I'd love to critique Tim McCarver, it's hard to argue with that logic, sending the lefty uh, with scant batting experience in his lifetime up against one of the most fearsome left-handed pitchers of all time, future Hall of Famer and multiple Cy Young Award winner, Randy Johnson. But Koo stuck to his vow to not just look at some pitches and swing the bat. Swing the bat he did, blasting a 1-1 fastball deep to center, a tiny bit towards right center, well beyond Bernie Williams, who of course was playing Koo quite shallow and shaded the other way. 
Uh, the ball landed just short of the warning track, and Ku cruised in with an easy double. I, I mean, I remember watching it and thinking that he maybe could have gotten a triple, but, uh, you know, he'd have to settle for a double, and actually settling for a double made the rest of the inning all the more memorable. In fact, do yourself a favor and find the YouTube video of it. There's not much more delightful than watching Tim McCarver literally in the middle of the sentence, like, this is the biggest give up at bat of the season, and Koo ripping the double, and Tim McCarver eating his words, and Joe Buck mocking him. And uh, even better is the absolute yelp of delight that David Wright mic'd up in the dugout unleashes uh in, the, in when they're watching the double it's just highly entertaining so anyway ku was on second and donned the big puffy warm-up jacket that some <clears throat> pitchers will wear when running the bases and the mets had a young jose reyes sacrifice it was a tight inside pitch that he had to almost jump out of the way of and fight off and didn't bunt that far and jorge posada had to come out from behind the plate to field it and threw Reyes out at first, but no one remembered to cover home plate, so the warm-up jacket-clad Mr. Koo made a daring run for home plate and hook-slid in around the return throw to Posada, swiping his hand across home plate and scoring one of the more exciting runs, uh, most exciting and unexpected runs you could imagine in Mets history, and was fitted uh, most admirably in the dugout. And oh, by the way, uh, Koo also went back out. The, Met, the Mets added a fourth run, so they had a 4 nothing lead at the time, and Koo went back out in the top of the eighth and also struck out Robinson Cano before yielding to Roberto Hernandez in a game the Mets would ultimately win 7-1. to So Koo went an inning in a third, struck out three, allowed no base runners, and also doubled and memorably scored. So not just a memorable moment, but probably his best major league moment by far uh, against the Yankees in the Subway Series. Well done, Daesung Koo. Unfortunately, it turned out that Koo hurt his pitching shoulder on that dive into home plate. He followed up that game by going through a bad patch uh, in four appearances after that game. He only recorded three outs while giving up five hits, two walks, and allowing six runs, including a kind of, uh, I don't know if it was a walk-off, but a, a game-ending or a game-blowing home run to Carlos Delgado. Uh, so eventually he an MRI revealed a bruised rotator cuff, and he went on the DL on June 2nd. Wow, the Mets mis- mismanaging an injury. It's, it's quite unprecedented. I'm glad the franchise has learned so much in the last 14 years, aren't you? Koo was used pretty sparingly thereafter when he came off the DL, and again, in his Mets career, he appeared in 33 games, <clears throat> throwing 23 innings, uh, t- allowed 22 hits, only two home runs, but as noted before, the wildness kind of hurt him a bit, and his final numbers were a 3.91 ERA over those 23 innings, a 4.11 FIP, and a 107 ERA plus, so yeah, slightly above average loogie, but let us not forget that he was one for two with a double and a run scored, so he does have a career 1.500 OPS and 286 OPS plus, so perhaps he missed his true calling. And even if not, he 
certainly provided us with a memorable Met moment. The Mets designated Koo for assignment in September of 2005, and in November of that year, they declined their option on his contract for 2006. He was a non-roster invitee to spring training in 2006, but uh, quickly uh, they was, had his contract sold back to Korea. Uh, he returned to Korea where he played five more seasons. He participated in the World Baseball Classic for South Korea. And uh, Koo now lives actually in Australia. Apparently he really fell in love. He and his family fell in love with Australia during the 2000 Olympics. And he moved out there after he retired completely from the Korean Baseball League in 2015. And he's a coach and manager in Australia. So quite a journey for Daesung Koo uh, around the world and around the bases. An impressive baseball career over in Asia, still continuing his baseball legacy and coaching young players in Australia, in a country where baseball is kind of just developing, and of course, a memorable journey with and around the bases for the New York Mets made Daesung Koo in particular very, very unformidable. Thank you as always for taking the time to listen to Unformidable. Please go to amazonavenue.com for more Mets-related content. Please follow Mason Avenue on Facebook, Twitter, and the Grams. Uh, you can find this podcast and all of our amazing pods wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe. Please leave us a review. It really helps us out. Original music by Bunga. You can find me on Twitter at Wolf, W-O-L-F-F-R-R, and the show at Unformidable. Thank you, and as always, let's go Mets. Let's go Mets.